Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. ARCHICAD is the official BIM software of the Entree Architect community. ARCHICAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery no matter the project size or complexity. With flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ARCHICAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. I encourage you to reach out and talk to the folks at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our Entree Architect community. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Amy Stone, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hello, thank you. Amy Stone is an architect and design manager at Gensler with a long-term interest in sustainable design and equitable environments. She is dedicated to the visibility and advancement of women in design and contributes as senior editor at Madam Architect, the online magazine featuring the stories of women in architecture and design. So, you know, Amy, you were recently on the um, the Practice Disrupted podcast, two friends of mine, Evelyn yes. Lee and Janine Chastain. 
Um, you actually hosted their show, right? Actually, you've been on twice, right? Have you been on? They invited me for the end of their season to kind of do like a Madam Architect interview with them live. And it was very fun. So I got to hear their stories and and ask. And then they said, this is only, you know, this is the first of a second part. And we're going to come back. And now we're going to do the same to you. And now we're going to ask you questions. So it was very fun to be on. Yes, twice to yeah. um, get to know each other. Yeah, you did a great job. And I will, we'll have a link to that episode. Uh, on our show notes, so people can go listen to that episode on Practice Disrupted, because you go pretty deep into your origin story and what you do and how you do it, um, your your role at Gensler and how that you know sort of impacts the world. Um, and so uh, we'll have a link to that because, and I encourage people to go listen to it, uh, both episodes. Really, really good conversation. Um, and I loved you when you were hosting, uh, being the host side and hearing Evelyn and Janine on the guest side. Uh, it was very interesting to to listen to that. So I highly recommend both of those episodes. Um, but I would love to to sh have you share your origin story here um, about you know architecture and and when you discovered your passion for architecture uh, and who and what maybe inspired you to get started in the profession. Certainly, I first just want to say thank you for having me on and thank you for this conversation. I have been like browsing podcasts for a long time. And since yours is like the grandfather of them all, <laughs> it definitely <laughs> comes up. So I'm honored to to be Thank a part you. of it. Um, to dig a little bit into my origin story, I, um, how far back do we go? I was born in Columbus, Georgia, but I feel like that has nothing to do with how I ended up in architecture, but that's like where my mind goes. I was yeah, born yeah. long time ago in Columbus. Well, tell Georgia. me, tell me about your childhood. I mean, because sure. often in architects, their origin story that does start as as children because of you know something the way they they were raised or their parents' influence on who they are often leads to their interest in architecture. Yes, often it does. That was definitely not the case for me, but I will tell you about my. Um, my childhood and my family dynamics a little bit, just because I, it is very unique. I am one of 10 children. I'm number eight of 10 children. And so being on the kind of younger end of a family just means there's always a lot going on, a lot of yeah. people, a lot of personality, um, a lot to absorb and to kind of always have that, you know, just a lot of energy around you to tap into, to respond to. And I've definitely drawn on that as my career has gone more towards the people side recently and like really drawing on that, you know, ability to just understand and connect with people. Um, so we grew up, my parents are from Columbus, Georgia. I've lived there for about five years and then they were looking to move to just a better area as they put it. And so they kind of looked around the Atlanta area. We moved to Peachtree City, which is this delightful, quaint suburb, um, which interestingly has some very unique like city planning aspects to it that I didn't really recognize or appreciate yeah. until, you know, I started studying the built environment more, but it's organized into villages and there's no like one main street downtown. It's very much clustered into, you know, these five distinct areas that are inter interconnected with roadways, but also with golf cart paths. Um, and so I'd pal around on my golf cart with my family um, and we'd go by all of the different lakes and golf courses. And it's a very like just pastoral little town. And I lived there from kindergarten through 12th grade, did all the same school system. My dad is an administrator, was an administrator at um, the middle school where I attended when he started it there when I was in sixth grade. So my dad was the assistant principal <laughs> in, charge of, that as a in charge of discipline. I know people would <laughs> come stop on me dad. Holiday. Do you really need to do that? 
I ended up in his office several times as he was in charge of discipline. And I definitely have a side of myself that is known to be, well, as it was put growing up, I have too much attitude. Um, but I feel like any young girl with too much attitude that ends up serving them pretty well. So and that, uh, Yeah. And number eight, I mean, how do you, number not, eight, how do you not feisty. have an attitude? You got to be, hello, I'm here. I know. <laughs> Trying to always bend the rules to work in my direction. Cause you know, that's just more fun. Um, I, despite my father, like being an educator and he was a teacher and the principal and back to teaching and then, you know, middle school principal or assistant principal, he didn't put a lot of emphasis on like what we were going to be when we grew up. It was just a lot of day in, day out, regular life growing up. My mom was a nurse and did home health nurse. And then she, um, transitioned into senior care nursing and had kind of switched every, you know, three, four, five years, she would, she'd switch, um, which facility she was, you know, nursing at or providing care at. She, eventually I think was, she was in more of a management role at a senior care facility. Um, and so that was kind of the background of my, my growing up very regular suburban busy life with two yeah. working parents and more of an emphasis in high school, really on like, um, I would say responsibility and trust than it was about academic achievement and where are you going to college? It was like, you need to make the right decisions and be a good person and the rest is going to work out for you. And so um, the, I would also mention too, I was, uh, I grew up in the Mormon church and just had a really, really strong community around me. And that became kind of part of my story when I started to find architecture a little bit more. So basically graduated high school in my senior year of high school, I realized people were going to college and I was like, what the crap? I got to get my ducks in a row and apply for college. Then I showed up at, you know, Georgia state decided to live at home, work at work nearby um, with a really great job for me at the time. Started going to do a state school, realized I needed to choose a major, started digging as quickly as I could to find something. And somehow um, architecture came across my path and it was just like, Hey, you know, that seems cool. That just seems interesting to study and has a good impact on people's lives. Seems like it would take that creative part that I'm pretty good at, take the science part that like, who cares if I'm not that good at, but like, let's give it a shot. I, you know, have a lot of faith that I can learn and, and adapt along the way. So started expressing interest in that. And one of the great things about growing up in, you know, a pretty tight knit community is that you just get connected to who you need to get connected to. So I didn't really know any architects growing up or so I thought until I started expressing that interest. And one of my friend's dad is a, um, a principal at Perkins and Will, and they had relocated for his job in Atlanta. And so that was a great person to talk to, you know, it's like, Hey, here's the profession. Here's what it's about. And he was nothing but like encouragement and, and support. And so to come, come at a profession where I really had no idea what the school would be like, no idea what the profession would be like, and to be met with a voice that was very encouraging and supportive really helped set me on my path to just say, yeah, you can do it. Um, studied for two years at Georgia state. And then I transferred to Georgia tech, which for me was a great, a great foundation. Georgia Tech is a very, very challenging school. And I think to to layer a difficult program on top of difficult time of life when you're just transitioning into college and trying to learn that and like at a school that is nothing but intense and rigorous, um, it honestly would have been too much for me. But to start at, a, uh, at Georgia State where I was able to just focus on core curriculum and really get that under my belt and like 
and get used to college, get used to, you know, that flow and then come to the architecture program. I was kind of ready for that, like lean in and that intensity. And I just soaked it up. I loved, loved studying architecture. Took, took a break for a little bit, bit to do a Mormon missions, went to Chile, came back, finished my program. And then um, kind of, I've told the rest of the story too on um, practice disrupted, but then took a gap between undergrad and graduate for, you know, kids, marriage, um, additional, you know, husband going to school and then came back for my master's. And now I'm still in school with my MBA (laughs) and my time at Georgia Tech. It's like kind of a joke. I just started my first class in strategy yesterday. And every time I start a new semester, I'm like, I really should tally up like how many first days of school I've had here (laughs) and how many (laughs) tuition bills I have paid and like how many days I have been on this campus. First year. I know I started at Georgia Tech in 2006 and now we're in 2023 and I'm still just sitting at the student desk, pencil in hand, trying to take notes. So it's been great. It's just been a very, very long arc to learning. So, so, so going back for your MBA, what was the, the uh, inspiration for that? The inspiration is I have always kind of realized architecture is a study and it is a practice it is also a business and that business has profound impacts on people's lives and that the way that you work, the way that you set up your projects and your fees and the way that you associate as a culture and community, that's the business. And we can't just kind of be uninterested in it. And I've, I was met pretty early on when I said, oh, this is so important. You know, I can really see how this and this and this affects our lives. People are like, eh, yeah, that's just the business side. And it would become very quickly bifurcated. It's like, it's either architecture or it's business. Right. And I'm not interested in the, like, I'm just on this side, not on the other. And um, I think there's room to hold both. I think there's room to like really understand the complexity and how they're intertwined. And I think especially with how complex architecture is, it's like you already have that ability to understand how systems work together. You for sure can understand how business, you know, supports this. And so I think that slowly developed definitely after I graduated and when I, once I got into a professional working environment and that's when I, you know, you start learning those, those small lessons, um, I would say that was accelerated once you have kids and you're like, hey, benefits, hey, salary, hey, pay right. time off. And and then looking now your, you know, your life demands become intertwined with how your um how your firm sits in the market, how they position themselves with their fees and how they place themselves competitively so that they can command higher fees and they can pay better. So I, you know, those ties just really started forming. And so I I didn't go back for my MBA. I went back for my master's of architecture because I needed to get licensed. But with that interest in mind, when Georgia Tech started offering a dual degree while mm-hmm. I was at the program, I just said, sign me up. Like, let's, let's do that. So it's the, it's kind of the continuation of, because I, um, you know, enlisted in that evening MBA program and I'm trying to slowly absorb everything while doing the balancing act of life and work on the side. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. What's your role at, at Gensler? Gensler, I am a project manager, which at Gensler, it's called a design manager. I like the name because there is a focus still on design. It's the, you know, kind of with that design word, you're saying, hey, I'm still focused on the project, focused on what need the outcomes need to be. And as project manager, I'm very client facing, team facing, um, kind of Gensler facing. And I say Gensler facing, just meaning like all of the business me- metrics that need to be tracked and accounted for. Um 
which isn't so much people focused, but it is still very important to the job. So that's that's my role. And then I'm within the work studio in Atlanta, and we have multiple focuses within the work studio. Mine is currently on more developer-driven um, repositioning work. So taking existing aged assets and improving them, kind of like flipping houses or yeah. improving old office buildings um, and just finding ways to make them more valuable for owners so that they can um, be more competitive in the marketplace. So not necessarily adaptive reuse, but sort of looking at buildings and how to make them more useful. Exactly. Yeah. It's not changing the use. They tend to stay office buildings, um, but it is in one instance, we're repositioning an existing building within a new master plan. So very old, kind of outdated, yeah. obsolete building. It could seem like it's still inhabited, but it's just like, it's not yeah. class A office space and they're going to build up class A office space around them. So how do you make that existing building shine a little brighter and be a little yeah. newer and and upgrade it? So that's yeah. that's well, that my makes, world on the day-to-day. That, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if you, I mean, the world is changing, obviously, changing very big, very fast. Um, the way we use buildings is changing too. And so to have a, a studio that's focused exclusively on sort of updating buildings to change with the way our world is changing makes right. complete sense. Um, how did you get involved with Madam Architect? You are the editor. Um, no, you are the, well, you are the senior, senior editor, editor and at Madam yep. Architect. Um, I love talking about Madam Architect. It is a wonderful platform and magazine and publication that I'm a part of. I happened upon it when I was in a gap year at, um, during my master's of architecture, I started for a year and then we bought a house and life was about as intense as it could get. I was very stressed with the load and decided, you know, I can either burn out and hate this profession forever, or I can take a break <laughs> and rebalance Luckily and, you then, took a break. and then continue. <laughs> and so um, took a break, but I was still kind of plugged in to school, plugged into the the peer community that I had at Georgia Tech in that program, really great folks, great friends that I continue to be friends with and are who are doing wonderful things. So I'm glad I stayed connected. I was involved with the women in architecture group at the school, which was becoming and changed their name to equity in architecture, um, kind of trying to move away from just a singular, you know, right. gender inclusivity and, and broaden that lens. Um, as part of that group, we went to Harvard and there was a conference where Harvard um, GSD was hosting women in architecture groups from around the country. Kind of, I think it was prompted as a, a response at the time to like the Me Too movement um, and really saying like, let's focus on women and what they need in this profession. And yeah. um, a lot of awareness around that at the time. So that was kind of the impetus for the for the convention so or conference really. So we went up um, and there was Pecha Kucha style presentations. So we presented saying, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we're doing. Here's our student organization. We got to hear from several different schools. We also got to hear from people in the industry who were just doing women-focused initiatives. And Julia was one of them. And she prints, Julia Gamalina is editor-in-chief, founder of Madam Architect. So she presented on, hey, here are the these women that I have been profiling and interviewing. Here's a type of interviews that I've been doing. They've been architects at multiple stages of their career, or maybe they're just in design, but not in architecture because their career has gone a different path. And she just kind of laid out this concise portfolio of a very diverse group of women and said, you know, this has become a project that will definitely continue on. We're going to continue to interview and to grow this effort. And she kept saying, we, we, we. Um, And so that was on my mind. And six months later, I was still thinking about it. So I 
found it. I had been reading, you know, the interviews and just absorbing all of the, I don't know, the lessons from women's interviews that were so at the time, so, so very meaningful for me again, where I was like, am I going to burn out and leave or am I going to stay? And so to read people under the same amount of pressure or in a, you know, similarly difficult situations, I was like, okay, okay, okay. It really was like a mentor tool for me, even though these women never knew that they were mentoring me. Right. Um, so I reached out to Julia, asked to be involved and she said, yes, that would be great. I'm about to burn out with this. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> um, and so we found our, you know, found our way working together. Um, and I started, I think in April, about four years ago, I, um, 2019 is when I started. So coming up on four years with Madam Architect and have just been involved since. So that's how I found it. And my role has been to assist as needed, really in whatever capacity. At first it was transcribing, it was editing, it was kind of being a second pair of eyes on things. And then eventually into interviewing people as well, um, responding to, you know, ask the editor questions or trying to coordinate behind the scenes on just different items. So um, kind of multiple hats in the job and but just been very, very fortunate to be involved in Madam Architect. It's a great, uh, I always forget what the word is, great platform, but it's not really a platform. It's like a great publication. There we go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it certainly is. It's, it is, um, it's very well done. The articles are exceptional. The, the website is beautiful. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's, it is exceptionally done. It is one of those things that, um, should continue not only for the content that it's creating, but because it is, it is becoming sort of a, a, a benchmark to in the profession, right? It's, a, it is the place to go to, to read stories about women in architecture and the architecture profession and, the, and, and, um, allied services, right? And it's, yes. it's much more than just architects. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by Arcat.com. Can't find the product data that you're looking for? You might be using the wrong search engine. Broad searches result in consumer products, out-of-date information, and websites that hide or don't have the information that you're looking for. If you need specifications, CAD, or BIM, rcat.com is your search engine find and download the up-to-date data that you need fast rcat.com is free and requires no registration so try rcat today that's a-r-c-a-t.com please visit our sponsors today and thank them thank them for supporting you the entree architect community can you dive a little bit deeper into Madam Architect and what it is for anybody who doesn't know what it is, like what is it and, and what's the intent of, of the, uh, what's the mission sort of? Yes, absolutely. So um, Madam Architect is an online magazine that is primarily dedicated to elevating the voice and visibility of women in architecture. And as you said, Mark, allied professions, it's not always traditional architecture track. It's Maybe you've come to architecture, but since gone a different route. And it's really showing um, showing that there, one, there are more women here than we are giving credit. <laughs> there is more to this narrative of just being a male-dominated profession. Um, the historic narrative of architecture is very male-dominated. Um, and so we assume that the same is, you know, for contemporary architects, but it's changed. But we need a narrative to... To, sh to share that we need to be able to say like here are women who are currently 
practicing who are our contemporaries and look how many of them there are look how varied and diverse we are to 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 highlight that change and to draw attention to it and and raise that awareness um that is one of the primary goals and i think you know i just interviewed beverly willis and her interview is coming out tomorrow um and it's very similar to the the mission that she has for Beverly Willis Architectural Foundation of yeah. changing and shifting the narrative around women in this profession um, so that they are seen, heard, that their perspectives are um, a support to other women and men as well in this, well, I'd say this profession, but it's not just for architecture, really, like it's an, it's an open resource. But to show those stories and to show those backgrounds and to show it's possible, it's meant for old, you know, Sorry, I meant to say young readers, and I said old instead, and old people too. <laughs> it's meant for young readers, mid-career, advanced in your career, near near or past retirement. It's really um, it's meant to be a resource for all. And exactly how I I kind of used it is just like I need to hear from other women. I need that kind of support. I need that you know that source of empathy and compassion and like-mindedness to help me power through whatever I'm I'm going through. So it's kind of meant to be a um, virtual virt- virtual mentorship um in a sense and we've ex- since also expanded it to men as you said it's not just about women in the field but there's also um a section where we've been interviewing men asking similar questions but also also asking how have you been supporting or how can one support better women in this field and what can be done to advance their their voice and visibility as well so really asking for um that allyship and partnership yeah. Yeah. It's a very important resource. I, I enjoy it because I, I love stories, right? I yeah. love, which is one of the reasons why I do the podcast is because I love to hear how people got to where they are. Um, and that's very much what is happening there at Madam Architect is that you're, you're hearing the stories, reading the stories of these, of these women, um, the, the successes, the challenges, the things that they've gone through. Um, and for me as a man, it, it's it's good to read. For one, I like them because they're success stories. Most of them are, you know, success stories. Um, and I and I enjoy that. It's inspiring to me. But it also um, gives gives me a way to understand what women have gone through. Right? I haven't had to do that. A fifty three, well, almost fifty three year old man, um, who's you know had a pretty easy way through architecture. Right? Everything has gone the way I needed it to go. I haven't had a lot of barriers in my way and the ones that were in my way, I could easily climb over and keep moving on without much difficulty. Um, most women haven't had that luxury. And so to uh, read the stories of what women need to do in order to get to where they are, it's different. Um, and it allows me to understand that, but you know, it also allows me to understand um, how when I'm working with women, how they're perceiving me, right? Because that's really important. My wife is also an architect and, you know, we would often uh, go out to a job site together and um, and they would talk to me, <laughs> but she was the one in charge because I was the that's business right. guy and she was the design architect. Um, and so all I did was, you know, step back <laughs> and, and, and let Anne-Marie do what she needed to do. And that would very clearly, um, uh, you know, tell the message of what needed to be shifted here. Um, but that's that's something that allows men to be able mm-hmm. to hear those stories and read those stories, be inspired yeah. by them, but also 
be empathetic and you know sympathetic and 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 understand uh, more about how you know the profession really is uh, built. That's a great summary. It really is story driven. It's really meant to get into women's day to day saying, you know, same as you asked me, like, what are, what's your origin story? Yeah. How did you get here? What's been your career trajectory? Um, what have been your highlights? What have been your challenges? Who are you admiring? What advice do you offer? And it's not necessarily a resource where we say, tell us about your best, coolest, most admired piece of work ever. We just want to hear about your projects. It very much is people focused. It's focused on the individual and about their story through their lens. And it's meant to be from their voice. So we try to keep it in a much more like conversational tone. So it doesn't sound rigid and formal. Like you want to hear person to person conversation there. And I think I've always been so interested in people's answers to what have been your greatest challenges in this profession. And it is, there are often, not always, there are often challenges particular to women that are brought up. Like you said, I'm not listened to when I go onto a job site. I'm not taken seriously. Um, I'm completely like looked over or I've had a hard time being taken seriously as the design guide on this or like design lead. I'm always thought of as the assistant. I'm expected to be taking notes or some very um, typical gender normative, you know, things that people have had to overcome. And even more so for minorities that are layering on another level of um, just challenge with departure from being the, you know, white male architect, which this profession has very, very much perfect, like, you know, protected all throughout the 20th, 20th century and really designed the profession for them. So as the more you break out of that mold, so to say, um, the more challenges there have been. And so there's also been other interviews though, where those challenges have not come up. And I find that equally interesting when people yes. say, yep. it's very challenging for me not to be able to build. Um, I work on projects for years and they don't come to fruition. And that is their, that is their biggest challenge. That is very hard for them personally. And so to see when those gender issues come up and when they don't, and just to say like, you know, genders aside, this is just a challenging profession. And there are challenges to see the fees. I just mentioned Beverly Willis. I was expecting her to say, you know, so much about how she was on the fringes of society through her very, not society, but architectural society for, you know, all throughout her career which she touched on, but she led with the difficulty of the architectural fees that were set and how that was such a challenge throughout (laughs) throughout her career. And this is someone who is very much like emphasized shifting the narrative for women and throughout her career. And her number one, like top of mind complaint was (laughs) the fees were very difficult. Um, And so it's a good way to excavate those challenges to look at the highlights. And like you said, Mark, to just perspective, take and understand where people are coming from and realize that it is going to be very different from your own and how wonderful to have a resource that can help widen that lens and broaden your focus um, in a very, like, I would say comfortable way. Like it's not an aggressive, exactly. it's not an aggressive thing. You're you're just perspective taking and you're putting on someone else's lens to understand that. And I think it, it can encourage, it can challenge, um, but it definitely changes the way you think. And I think that's really needed and welcome. So I appreciate your, your reading. Yeah. It's, it's done in a very positive way, right? Like you said, it's, it's not aggressive at all. Um, it's inspiring. Um, do you, do you have, is there any connection between Madam Architect, the work that you do at Madam Architect and the work that you do at Gensler? Do you, do you, or are they just two separate things in your life? 
Um, they both take a lot of effort and time management skills. So no, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I would say that there's, I'm sure, some snarky way to say that I'm editing and writing a ton with my emails at work and that I'm writing all day, but I don't necessarily consider myself a writer. And even in my role at Madam Architect, I don't, I still have a hard time kind of thinking of myself as a writer because I am, I'm listening, transcribing and editing in a way that like makes it easier for readers to read, but I still have a very difficult time writing. Um, and so I think both are at least drawing on that skill and, and trying to strengthen that, but um, they're different in that one is very, very project focused. I'm pointing to my left where my laptop email is open. <laughs> um, one's very project focused and immediate to those issues, but there is absolutely like a translation between the two and understanding challenges that are current to women in the profession and applying that to team members and coming with more understanding to um, projects and project work with that, with that mindset. Um, that's a great question. I'll probably be thinking about that for a while of like, what are the, what's the overlap between yeah. the two? How do they kind of reinforce each other? What's the future for actually two questions? What's the future for Amy Stone and what's the future for Madam Architect? The future for Amy Stone is a long, healthy life full of joy <laughs> and bliss. That is a good answer. <laughs> Very good answer. Um, the future of Madam Architect is to continue. It's really showing no signs of like slowing down. We're strengthening our team and bringing on people who can really help um, specialize and strengthen the work that we offer. Um, we've had columns that have been written. I think we're continuing to grow our network and grow the impact of Madam Architect. I'm sure that will, in the future, as it does continue to grow, like potentially emerge into other forms. Um you know, there's the great thing about being so open to the public is that we receive a lot of recommendations of here's what Madam Market Tech could do and should do. Right. Yeah. Um, and we just, you know, we listen and we absorb that. We also are everyone on the team doing this on top of yeah. our, you know, daily work and it's unpaid. It's, you know, on top of a long work day and, and then efforts applied to it. And so kind of with that perspective, it's like, there's plenty of ways that this could go. It's just a matter of how much can we apply time and resources to it to help it grow in that way. So lots of ideas, podcasts, movies, books, films, um, research, there's opportunities for really leveraging the network of women that are connected through this platform to, to connect and, you know, potentially for jobs or for, you know, there's just been so many different yeah. avenues thrown out and um and it's a, intentionally kind of a slow growth in that regard so that it doesn't pivot too quickly in a way that's not sustainable i think our that's something that stays front of mind is how can we make this a sustainable effort for everyone on the team um in a way that builds us up and doesn't you know deplete us too much yeah you can see the based on the quality of what's being produced um is probably a result of you sticking to that core mission saying, okay, this is what we do. This is how we do it. We're going to do it the best we can. <laughs> and then as we have capacity and growth, that will come slowly and then we'll make those decisions later. But what's being created today is it needs to be the best it can be. And that's, yeah. that's clear when you look at what's being produced at, at metamarchitect.org. Um, so that I, fantastic story. What, what, as we wrap up here, what, what is um, one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? What is something a small firm architect can do to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, well, having just started my strategy class 
yesterday. I'm now an expert on <laughs> business strategy. But one thing we talked about just last night, which is fresh in my mind, is you know having strategy is about having a competitive advantage that's sustainable over a period of time. Um, and I would recommend that small business architects really focus on what that competitive advantage is. What is your core focus? Um, what are you focused on? And what are the values that you have, your core assets that set you apart? And how can you be strategic and and thoughtful in optimizing the energy that you put towards that? So I appreciate you saying, you know, what you have about Madam Architect. It was like, this has been successful yeah. in this format for so long. And we do keep it pared down and we keep, do keep that focus. And, you know, over time that growth has been slower and intentional, um, intentionally. So we don't want to spread ourselves too thin and to explore too many formats too quickly. And so I think to stay within the areas that, you know, set yourself apart and that where you have a competitive um, advantage is, is a focus. I always like, I always find so many parallels too, between like business strategy and personal life strategy. Like yeah. what are yeah. my assets in my day that I need to like set aside as my core mission or like my core asset? And how do I put energy into that? And um, I don't know if you ever do that with business too, where you're like, yeah. oh, this is both Constantly. a business principle Constantly. and this is also and, a and personal life principle. we talk about it in the community all the time, <laughs> yeah. that the, the, especially with small firms, because small firm architects, you know, the the business and the the personal side, right? The firm and the family is what I usually call mm. it are so overlapped that they're right. really integrated, right? That they are all just one thing. Um, they have to have different focus, right? They have to have, you have to do the things in business to make, make the business successful. And you have to do the things in your family to make sure your family's mm -hmm. successful. But often they're the same thing, just looking <laughs> at different, you know, different um, uh, results or, or different, you know, applying different, um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, similar processes with different people, yes. <laughs> essentially. Well, I, I wonder too, as I'm like musing out loud here, is architects tend to be very talented, thoughtful people who are very capable of a lot and have varied interests and are interested in a lot. And I have, you know, for a while I had a job um, where my supervisor eventually over time found out, he's like, I'm just trying to, tr I'm trying to do too much at the same time. I've got, what did he say? He was like, I've got too many irons in the fire. Yeah. And I just appreciate that analogy of like, you can pare down and do less and do it smarter. And I think that's also coming as like a personal, I don't know, I'm always doing too much, right? I have so many times that people are like, you're doing full-time work and you have three kids and you work with Madam Architect and this and this and this. I'm like, I know it's absolutely a lot. And once I find how I can pare down in these ways, like, or across these places, you know, different areas I will, but right now they're all giving back to me in really, really meaningful ways. Right. And so I'm trying to stay strategic about everything else and like really cutting things out outside of that. So I can stay focused on the things. So it's not to say like, just do less. It's to say like, focus on the things that are core assets and like giving you that return that are important to you, um, both, you know, in professional and personal life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and you said you weren't going to have an answer for that. That is a perfect answer. <laughs> that is an excellent answer. Uh, her name is Amy Stone. The organization is Madam Architect. You could also learn all about Gensler at Gensler. You can, it's not too difficult to find Gensler. Uh, but if you want to learn more about Madam Architect, it's madamarchitect.org. So you can go, you should go to Madam Architect. If you haven't, you should go right now um, and go read the articles that are over there because they are super interesting. Um, and inspiring. So Amy, thank you. Thank you for the work that you do as an architect. Thank you for your work at Madam Architect. It is a very important 
platform, very important resource, a very important publication, um, you know, telling the stories of women in our profession uh, and making the profession better for it. So thank you for your work there. And thank you for coming by here and hanging out with me and telling your story at Entree Architect Podcast. Marco Page, it has been an honor. It's funny you said like Amy Stone at the beginning. That's usually how I greet other people. I'm like, first and last name, say it out loud. But I didn't. So Mark LePage, thank you very much. Uh, I will be listening to more and more of these podcasts. And I appreciate the resources that you are also investing in for this profession to open up conversations and, and dialogues for others to be connected to other architects and professionals so that they can find some strength for what they're doing as well. So I appreciate you. the, your efforts. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, share a link with a friend. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Please share a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I'd appreciate it. Links to all our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. It's the network dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at Gable Media at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Go check it out. We have, I think... 13 podcasts over there now gablemedia.com and before we wrap up a special thank you to our partners at graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to bim with archicad software go now to graphisoft.com slash us slash architect and see how graphisoft is positioning to help make your architecture firm a success visit graphisoft.com slash us slash entree architect to learn more thank you very much for listening to this episode of entree architect podcast my name is mark arla page love learn and go share what you know i've mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real 
to this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.